0: Hello and welcome. So good to see all of you today. Welcome to the Hope Story Circle by the Peace Alliance. And welcome to Peace On, your source for inspiring conversations and information from thought leaders across the spectrum on topics related to the strategies of building peace, fostering nonviolence, and creating a world that thrives, shifting our understanding toward empathy, compassion, and connection. My name is Terry Mason. I'm on the board of the Beast Alliance, and I'm joined to facilitate today by Liz Gannon Graydon, who is also on our board. We usually have Yelena Popovich joining us, but Yelena is at a wedding today, so she's not going to be with us. So we're celebrating in spirit with her. But we are also joined today by our special guest, James Dara. James is a longtime friend of mine, and I'm honored and humbled and grateful that you're here today. You want to go off mute and say hello?
1: Hello everybody, it's a pleasure to be here. Nice to meet all of you virtually.
0: (laughs) James and I have a long history together. We toured with 42nd street many, many moons ago and he has a long history performing and directing and doing lots of things in the entertainment industry. And he, that's part of his story but he's actually a New Yorker and he lived in New York at 9-11 and this is our 20th anniversary of that day. And we just felt that it was important to honor that day um, and not have a normal hope story circle that ignored it. Um, There's a lot going on to commemorate that day in the media and in those locations. But we thought we'd make it personal and just bring in one story. And really any person who was an adult at that time has a story from that day because it was real. It happened to all of us. And so it's it's something when we go into the breakouts, you can either share your stories or respond to James's story, but it's just a time to reflect and look forward with more hope. So having said all that, we don't have Yelena to leave a, a meditation, but Liz is just as perfect to do that. So Liz, you wanna go off mute and get us grounded in a meditation today?
2: I do. Good morning, everybody. And I want to just welcome you all in to the circle here. Kind of release whatever's going on around you and the barking dogs and the beautiful things that have our attention and come together. And as Terry said, as I lead us and bring us into the group together, I am mindful that James is about to share his very personal story of how he experienced this day 20 years ago. And it's a day that for all of us, because we are an international group, because we are a group that gathers together in the name of the Peace Alliance, for each one of us that day was a very different experience. So mindful of James and the fact that he's about to tell this story, I'd like us to join together as a beloved community. Those of us who are new to the group, welcome. Those of us who are regulars, know how important it is that we hold one another with great love as we prepare to tell our stories. So in this moment, I'd like us to just start with a deep connecting breath. And in your heart, I want you to hold on to that feeling of love and connection that brought you to the call today. I want you, if your eyes are open, if your eyes are closed, I want you to just think of everyone on the call today and invite them in and hold them with great tenderness and love. If your eyes are open and you wanna take a chance to look around the group and send each one Love. And as we invite James to tell his story, you know, we come together in our hope story circle. And we will begin with the story. And what I want, and what I hope us to bring to the rest of the call, individually in a group, is our feelings of hope in this moment. You know, 20 years ago, There was this moment that shook the world and this story circle began out of another moment that kind of shook the world. And there will always be these moments. And as we connect today, what I'd like us to be mindful of is whatever's going on around us. There are always places where we can gather in community and connect with one another and intentionally meet and gather in love and hope. And mindful of that, James, we'd like to invite you now to share your story.
1: Thank you, Liz. I appreciate that. It's a beautiful meditation. Thank you. Um, So I woke up this morning, went out for a walk and um, September 11th, 2001, That morning was one of the most glorious mornings that you could have had. Liz, I see you shaking your head. You are here. And um, we had a morning just like that. It will be about 10 days ago on Wednesday after the hurricane. I woke up this morning and I went, oh, it's clear, not a cloud in the sky, but it's not just right. It's a little bit more humid. And I just started laughing and I started thinking about this talk today because memory can be so specific and unfortunately when talking to family oftentimes non-specific damn it and um, everybody has a story right so i started thinking about that it was a absolutely glorious day which made what happened even more uh tragic i think and um so I got up in the morning, I, I was in this apartment that you see me sitting in person that I was dating and uh, now I'm uh, with, uh, I had come down just to have dinner and uh, uh, the uh, his father had Parkinson's but during dinner, got a phone call, dad's got set, been sent to the hospital. So he left, the roommate was out of town, his father had had a stroke, uh, they were both working on a Broadway program uh, production of rehearsals for Broadway production of Ibsen's uh, Hedda Gabler. And um, so I said, well, you know, I'll hang out here in the apartment. And, you know, my uh, mischievous little self thought, I have an audition tomorrow. I won't have to travel down from my apartment uptown. I can stay here. So uh, around 11, uh, well, around midnight, actually, I got the call that uh, his father had died. So I decided to stay in case anything was needed me for anything. Uh, next morning, woke up early for my audition. Went out to to uh, getting ready to go for a bike ride, and we're on the 19th floor here, looking west over the west side of Manhattan, and there's a large avenue, Amsterdam Avenue, running up uh, in front next to the building. So I heard a rumble, and a, lar- a loud, loud, mechanical sound. And um, the building literally shook as I stood here. And I was thinking the first earthquake that I was in, I was in Van Nuys. And uh, uh, it wasn't, it was the same, except the vibrations were very fast. In an earthquake in LA, it's, they tend to be a little bit more undulating, rather rapid. Um, and I ran to the window, uh, to look down onto the street to see what the hell kind of truck that was that just came rumbling up the avenue and there was nothing there. So I left the apartment to go do a little quick bike ride and I ran into one of the building guys and I said, did you you check out that truck that went by? Did you see what that was? He said, that wasn't a truck, that was an airplane that flew right over the building. That was the first plane that was heading downtown to go into the towers and uh, the World Trade Towers from here I would say they're about five, five or six miles. So I went out very quickly, came back, watched the morning news. They hadn't even, as I was watching it, they got a notice that a plane had gone into the towers and they thought it was a small plane. Uh, they thought it was a small single-engine craft. And somebody, one of the reporters, said, Well, look at the size of the hole, and look at you know how size what the size of the buildings are. And on air, this is kind of unfolding and um, they went to commercial once and just this morning, actually the same channel they were saying they broke for commercial and when they came back from commercial that day they didn't go to commercial for three more weeks. And um, so I went out for I got back on my bike and I decided so that during that time the first plane went into the first building and then it was what the hell's happening and everybody was thinking it was air traffic control. Uh, that was something was wrong. And then the second plane went in uh, to the building, and I decided to get my bike and bike downtown to see if there was something that I could do to help. Uh, so I did, and I got as far as a Chambers Street, which is a quarter mile from the World Trade Center. And I was stopped by police. They wouldn't let me go, and I was there, you know, not arguing, but really trying to compel the policemen to see, you know, I've really got to help people and then get back for an audition. And so um, uh, he wouldn't let me do it. And as we were talking, the first tower started to fall. So then I was on my bike pedaling my ass uptown as quickly as I could. And um, I stopped about a mile away, three quarters of a mile away. There's a pier over underneath. If you were to go dig down, you'd be over the Holland Tunnel. And I stopped on the pier and the, the smoke rising, and uh, it was just pandemonium. So we stood on the pier watching, and there were people around me. Uh, so, you know, I'm I thinking last night in the movie um, Close Encounters at the end when there, everybody's standing around watching the ship. Nobody, everybody's connected in the experience, but nobody is touching. Everybody's individually just st- standing on their own. And people were on their cell phones trying to get to friends who were in the, and I realized this as I'm standing there watching them texting and, you know, he's not answering, he's not answering. And I went, oh my God, there's people in those buildings. And yeah, and then the second tower fell. And those people around me, not all of them, but many of them just collapsed, just onto the ground collapsed because their friends were in those towers, that second tower. And Liz, as you were doing the meditation, I thought of this, that I remembered that I wanted to help everybody. I wanted to reach out and run to those people who had collapsed and hold them. And I couldn't do that. I didn't have the capacity. uh, Literally, I had certainly had the compassion. Um, So I hopped back on my bike. And it's like, you know, it's so funny. It's like, I better get home. You know, it's, it's so ingrained, something happened, I better get home. So um, I pedaled back to my apartment, uh, called my agent, The you know, like, what do you do? You call your agent. And um, the auditions, they weren't sure anything was happening. And then as the day unfolded, the uh, Hedda Gabler rehearsals were canceled, but nobody could get anywhere on the island. Subways were closed, the bridges and tunnels were closed. So the whole cast uh, came and the director, associate director, they all came back to this apartment and hung out and we all had food and watched this unfold. Later in the day, I went back up to my apartment uptown I had a friend who was staying there in town uh rehearsing he was rehearsing a play and over the next few days um the city filled with smoke and the smoke would change with the wind and the smell that was uh, wafting across the island with the smoke was there was the smell of death on it i can't it wasn't like a body farm it was it was so many things but i i thought about this description and really it just was the smell of death and even closing the windows couldn't keep it out of your uh, apartment so it was a very visceral experience for me being there running from the tower watching the second one fall the people around me and then uh, the days that followed my friend that was in town rehearsing a play quit his job went back to Buffalo to be with his kids and his life changed dramatically my family were calling me concerned about my well being, and I was okay. Uh, so, uh, within a couple of days, within a couple of days and a week, I realized all of my work was gone for the next six months, if not a year. Nobody knew what was happening. As you remember, markets were tanking, and Broadway shows were just evaporating because investors from Europe. And, you know, the whole investment chain of these kind of projects were just done. They were just locking down their funds. It was happening at the beginning of the pandemic too. And uh, I went to a very dark place. Number one, the tragedy of what had happened, the uh, insanity of what had happened. It didn't make sense, the pain. And uh, my friend's dad had died. So I thought of this this morning too, you guys, that uh, he has no memory of 9-11. His memory of 9-11 is being at his house with his family because his father had died, except all of the paper from the towers as they fell, took to the air and they landed in his backyard and everybody else's backyard there in Brooklyn Heights and Carroll Gardens in Brooklyn. So his memory is dealing with his family's grief and because it was just kind of, even though he had Parkinson's, he had us, it was a sudden unexpected death um, and shoveling out the backyard of, you know, faxes and Xeroxes and, you know, papers Crazy. crazy. Um, so all my work went away and then I got a phone call from Rosie O'Donnell, um, that's I'll, I'll, that's one name I've dropped. So I got a phone call from Rosie O'Donnell. She was, uh, you know, remember her show? She was just so whimsical, and unsubtle about her passions. And uh, they were going to do a big Halloween, as she did every year. And she decided that she was not going to do a scary Halloween. And they came up with the idea of doing a circus Halloween. And I happened in my past to have spent a number of years uh, as a clown with Ringley Brothers Circus. So um, I got a phone call out of the blue from a friend that I had worked with years before saying, hey, I'm doing a, you know, a, a Rosie's show and she wants to call you. So Rosie called and I was brought in to just do circusy stuff and wear spandex. Thank God I was in shape and uh, to teach Rosie how to juggle and then juggle with her and just have craziness ensue. Um, and that was work. It was one day, well, it was a two or three days of work, but it was a job. And then um, I got a call from a friend, an old friend of mine that I'd worked with with Terry and uh, years before who I'd understudied and uh, he was doing a production of Anything Goes. So I'd started calling people saying, is there any work out there? Um, so he had called me and said, "I, I heard you're looking for work. I'm doing a production of Anything Goes with Cheetah Rivera. Do you want to be in the show?" And uh, so I was brought in to be one of the chorus dancers and then partner with Cheetah on a number. And um, that was work and that was work for months uh, for about a good four months. And uh, you know, I, I, uh, sitting in that dark place was frightening to me in my apartment i have a twin sister so being alone and on my own is not something i've ever been very comfortable with and having a twin sister i've never i know what a relationship is with somebody who has never judged you never um Uh, disparaged you, who's always been there to support you 100%, and yet at the same time, has never been competitive, but at the same time, side by side, you've achieved individuality and success. Um, So I've talked to many twins over the years tangentially, and it's something that twins experience when they go off into their life, that they have to deal with, oh, you're not a twin, so you come at the world totally differently. So, oh, see, I set my timer so I could tell my story in the allotted amount of time. Uh, so I uh, just started opening up to say yes to everything. The head of Gabler cast that was sitting here, I got called up and asked if I would join the company as a stage manager. Because the friend who was out with his father with the strokers in Florida couldn't fly back. And I said, I've never stage managed before. He said, Oh, I know you can do it. All you have to do is collect the valuables and hand her the gun. And, uh, I could do that. So I came away from this after five weeks with a honking, uh, Broadway credit as a stage manager, which translated into what's been 20 years of, uh, pretty substantial, uh, Stage management career, and I don't consider myself having changed career. So I consider myself to have expanded my skill set and uh, added to my career. And I just at that this particular event opened my heart uh, to saying yes to just to just about anything. It takes me right back to my early days in the circus. The only way you can walk out into a high wire is with confidence in your abilities. And if you think about falling, then you will fall. That is pretty much the basis of how you walk on a high wire. Everything else is practice. And uh, this was a wire act to open myself up, to say yes to really pretty much anything that came along. Sure, I can do that, sure I can do that. And out of the Anything Goes rehearsal came uh, running into somebody who hired me to do a concert tour across the US and. Etc. And things, every door just kept opening after that. And uh, I'm very, very grateful uh, to have survived it. I'm very grateful to have not been in those buildings. I was in those buildings only a couple months before having my birthday dinner. I did a lot of event work up at Windows on the World. So I knew a lot of the staff, a lot of the Wade staff, a lot of the management up there. I knew a lot of friends who were in the buildings. Uh, that got out, and a couple that didn't. And um, I think I can. I think I can end there. That that's my that's my story.
0: Thank you, James. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you so much, Liz. Do you want to frame the inquiry for us yeah. today?
2: Yeah. Yeah, I just want to acknowledge what James said. Um, Uh, There was an interesting coincidence because uh, I had a one year old son and had just found out that week I was pregnant with my second son on 9-11. And I was a middle school teacher and I, I taught in a neighborhood 20 blocks away. And as a young mother, I never got to go out and my sister had gifted us that night with tickets to Broadway. So Uh, What James said was true that day I was dancing and jumping to work because it was such a glorious beautiful day and I said I'm going to the city and I'm going to see if I was so glorious and this morning I'm away on retreat with a group of my friends and we just before I got on the call went for a walk around the lake and all of us were in New York that day and all of us said it's a day just like that day It is exactly as James said today in New York is exactly kind of the same atmosphere so I wanted to just acknowledge that James. Um, When we were going over your story to think about inquiry, Terry said something that I'm going to leave you with that really struck me so profoundly. And that's, you know, when we, however you experienced that day, we all have those moments in our life when our world collapses around us, right? Sometimes it is literally, but most of the time it is not literally. But everything we thought we could rely on kind of falls apart. And in that moment, we don't always get to plot our own course, right? I thought that was such a beautiful idea, right? We go around with this illusion that we're plotting our own course and we go through our days and we we plan our auditions. And when you can't plot your own course, as James said, the thing he did that made a difference in that moment was just being open and trusting that there was a community there that he didn't even know would be there in that way for him. And in that moment when he decided to, to everything that was offered by this beloved community, he was able to discover this new path. And that was, he said a continuation of this path and how affirming that was. So as we lead you into the, to the uh, breakout rooms, What I invite you to think about, if you can, you can either just respond to James Stewart, but if you would think of a time when kind of those things you relied on collapsed around you and in no you couldn't necessarily plot your own course, what forces rose up to meet you that gave you hope (laughs) direction that affirmed you in a way that allowed you to move on? Is that,
0: is that clear? Yeah, I put it in the chat too. And, and I just wanna remind everyone, for those of you who've not been with us before, or those of you who have, we're gonna go into breakout rooms and our, and our agreements are to speak from your heart, to listen with your heart, to say just enough, and to trust that you will know the right things to say. Because we'll be in the breakout rooms for about 20 minutes, And I want everyone in the rooms to have a chance to share their own thoughts about the inquiry, about your own 911 story, um, whatever you feel compelled to speak about. So I'm gonna pause the recording and then we'll start it again when we come back. Welcome back, everyone. I know that Liz and I had a nice conversation, so I'm hoping to hear from people from your breakout rooms if you can talk about the inquiry or about your own 9-11 story or what came up for you when you were speaking together, who'd like to share?
3: I can start. Okay, great. The the one common message seems to be how we are connected, how what happened on 9-11 was a ripple effect. It affected so many people, so many communities. And the uncertainty and the violence was just so unexpected Mm. Um, that to this day, 20 years later, I think people are still suffering from PTSD. I know Mm. that. And also think about the first responders, how they suffered from different types of cancers and so forth. They didn't realize how hazardous the conditions were when they went out there with their search dogs. I had read the story that the dogs would sit down, they would stop the search looking for bodies because they. Were depressed. The dogs were getting depressed. Hmm. Finding, finding oh, exactly. they couldn't find live people. so they had to set up like a live rescue hmm. to get the dogs engaged again because they just stopped doing it. They couldn't do it. But the amount that they that these first responders breathed in of this toxic air and how it affected them years later, and okay. a lot of them said they would do it again. It's just incredible how brave they were, and how yeah. patriotic they were. Yeah. And how, we became after 9-11 for a short time, but mm. I think what resonated for me was how connected we are. You know, you yeah. think people die every day, but every death affects many, many other individuals in the community at large. It's not just that one person. Yeah. 3,000 people perished, including children and
0: you mm-hmm. know, wor-
3: worker bees that were just going to their jobs that day. It was just going to be an ordinary day.
0: Right, exactly, Lori, that's yeah, exactly that's okay. right.
3: We're just going to work. They were doing their thing. I lost my former brother-in-law and sister at 9-11. She was yeah. seven months pregnant. She was about to go on maternity leave. Their oh. name the Memorial at Ground Zero. And yeah, that's that so was really, really tragic because Tom waited a long time to get married. He was 42, oh, his wife was 26 and they were so in love. And I think they were together when they when it happened. I think he was protecting her covering her as much as he could. And I'm sure they're together now in heaven. Yeah, I'm so and sorry.
0: I'm um, so yeah, sorry of us.
3: So tragic, you know, the people that perished a lot well, of them were so young. Mm-hmm. You know, they were yeah. um, they were just doing their jobs. They were motivated, you know, and, and then I this know. happened. I mean, just think about it. You're on a plane. You're you're you are so vulnerable when you're on a plane. I mean, for oh. those of us who have to travel, I don't like think just... <sighs> seems to be the case, though, with COVID. You know, you put yourself at a certain degree of risk sometimes when you're when you're traveling.
0: Right. Mm-hmm.
3: You Laurie, thank,
0: Laurie, thank you for sharing, and I'm very sorry for your loss. Would Thanks. someone else like to share your thoughts? Anything
4: I'd like to, to add, add on? on to what Laurie said about connection. Yeah. Um, the um, math Institute has a Gaia project that measures the 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 field uh, of the of the planet with random number generators, and what they noticed is that on 9-11, all those random number generators, which are just machines, they all tended to become coherent in their number generation, and they theorized that this is in response to human generated fields feelings, mm. and so. There's somewhat scientific evidence to the fact that the entire world became united on that day. And I think it's good to remember that. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, it did. And, and that we are living in a slow moving disaster. Uh, it's as if the 9 11 towers are always falling every day now, with, for us living in the West, wildfires. Yeah. And drought. Um, this is—we are in a disaster. We're in a war zone right now, and the bombs are falling, and people are dying. But we try to pretend that no, this is this is this is okay. We'll get through this. Even the pandemic—it's—it's um, it's not a big problem. We can handle this. It's not true. Mm-hmm. And um, my latest project has been organizing my immediate neighbors, mm-hmm. the, six, the 60 people households that live right around me, into preparing for evacuation in case of a wildfire. Mm-hmm. And the slogan we need to remember is the people who are going to save you are not the people wearing badges. They're mm-hmm. going to be your neighbors. Mm-hmm. And and that's where connection really needs to happen. And we got to stop this business of living in our own little bubble Mm. and thinking, um, well, I'm going to work today and I don't need to say hello to my neighbors. And I'm just going to take care of myself. Well, that's the disaster right there.
0: Yeah, that's well put. The connection really is the key, isn't it? Yeah, wonderful work that you're doing to pull your neighborhood together. Thank you, David. Would someone else like to share? Nancy, you want to come off mute? How did I
5: get muted? well, connection. So I, I had a family and friends um, all over the East Coast and in, in and around New York. And um, we had just returned. I live in the San Francisco Bay Area. We had just returned to San Francisco from um, taking my son to school in New York. And he was he went to New School University, which is just a mile or two from ground zero and had been there for a week. Been in New York for a week when this happened, and um, so we turned on the TV that morning. It was still early in California, and we saw everything that was unfolding, and of course, our first reaction was try to get a hold of all the people we knew, and my, luckily, we got through to my son uh, right away, and he was okay Um, uh, their school was uh, serving as a they put up a giant bulletin board so people could connect with each other and find find each other and um didn't really end up needing that um the he was he actually saw people jumping from the buildings and to this day has not talked about it with us and um just, you know, a lot. My my daughter-in-law was a medical, uh, was a, a med student in the uh, medical community all over the East Coast. Uh, she was in Philadelphia, but the whole East Coast was ready to receive people and um, nobody came. Nobody came. Either you died or you weren't, you got out pretty well, mm-hmm. but Just, um, yeah, the connection and the concern and the people really were trying to reach out and help each other, which is something we also very much experienced in the big earthquake in San Francisco, that people people were their best selves at that time.
0: Yeah, definitely. Thank you, Nancy.
3: I just wanted, can I add one quick thought? One quick one. If we learn nothing else from this, we learn that life is short and there's no time for hate or prejudice against anyone.
0: Mm, Good point, Lori. Thank you for that. James, did you have any closing thoughts you'd like to before we start to close the call?
1: I uh, I have a couple of thoughts. First, I wanted to say that in my breakout room, Bonnie, was the great leveler because we were talking about the change this affected on all of us. And, and Bonnie said, yep, the aftermath and the change that happens, but you can also change the life of a friend with just a hug.
4: Mm.
1: And um, damn it, Bonnie, <laughs> I like I like to make up the quotables, but that was, <laughs> really cool. was so, so... Um, Beautiful. That's
5: okay. You said it better than I did.
1: <laughs> spin. It's all about spin, right? <laughs> um, this, the uh, I wanted to add something literal. Um, you know, if you think back, you never really see close-ups of the towers. There were news crews all over there, but uh, it's as Nancy said. It's actually because people were jumping. Mm-hmm. Many. Um, and I thought about that over the years, you know, trying to have some control when there is none, and that was their solution. Mm. And uh, and the bigger uh, parting was really that we are all the same. Um, uh, let me see, Bud, you said "Winowen uh, wendowig right? Is that the word, the Native American word? And it means that that they use. Uh, uh, Buds reservation, and uh, we're all related.
2: Right.
1: It's the phrase. And um, a friend on Facebook recently talked talking about her son in college, and there was some bullying. And I, uh, I'm working on a project that uh, concerns DEI, and I'm on a couple of boards here in the city. And the last year has been about including DEI language into uh, 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 contracts and things like that. And so the bullying, I kind of thought, you know, people bully because uh, somebody is different. But if there's anything that all of us share, the one thing that all of us share is that not one of us is the same. Not a single one of us is the same as the next, even if uh, if we were to be cloned, even if we were identical twins and not fraternal like me. Uh, Not one of us is the same. So to bully, to disparage somebody, because they're different, you might as well take swings at the sky for being blue. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's so, so to have, have the whole world come together in response to this event, to have the world come together in response to the pandemic in a way,
4: mm-hmm.
1: um, it shows what, to me what we're capable of and at the same time how far we have to go. And mm-hmm. through community, we can do that.
0: Yeah. Wonderful. Thank you. I'm just I'm going to put into the chat some links. We have um, the Peace Alliance is an organization and our mission is to empower civic action for a culture of peace. So the link to the Peace Alliance is there. It's peacealliance.org. There's a link also to the podcast, all of our hope story circles in addition to our national calls and our Department of Peacebuilding calls and other things are all at the, on our Peace On podcasts, which you can find. Also a link to about these Hope Story circles, if you wanna follow and share with others. Uh, link for the Blueprint for Peace. It's a major initiative we've had going for several months now. If you click on that link, you will send a message to all of your state and federal elected officials to let them know that you support policy, policy priorities around peace building and violence reduction. Also a link about the Department of Peace building legislation, HR 1111. We are currently in September which is our month of lobby days. and Nancy Merritt, who spoke earlier is leading the committee that is managing the lobby days. So please go to the app link and learn how you can lobby for peace during this time. Um, we are a small nonprofit we have a link to donate. We appreciate donations of any size especially monthly donations, those are our sustainable donors that keep us going. All of our Hope Story Circles, our Tuesday events, our monthly calls, our Department of Peace Building calls, all these things can be found on our calendar of events on the website. So the last link is the slash calendar, and you can find all the information and come back and join us another time. We'd love to see you. So with that, Liz, I'm gonna hand it off to you to close this out.
2: You have to unmute yourself. Sorry, thank you, Terry. And I'm going to, as I was taking, and I try to weave the pieces of everything everyone said here today. And what I was thinking about as everyone spoke was a story I often taught to my my own students. I'm a storyteller at heart and I love myths and stories. And there's a story most of us know, but I always saw it from a different angle. And it's the story of Cinderella. You know, and so many of us know the story of Cinderella, but what always fascinated me was Cinderella's other dress. And I said, a lot of us remember like the rags that she wore at the beginning and the ball gown that she wore at the end. But in between, she had this beautiful dress that was made for her by the, um, she had a dress and then the, the birds and the mice put it together when she knew she was going to the ball and created this beautiful, beautiful gown for her. And it was only, I, you know, I'm thinking, I'm thinking what Laurie said about how we pull or bully or pull each other apart or there's no time for hate. I said the only reason she needed a fairy godmother was because the stepsisters came and ripped everything apart and she needed this in. But I always thought that the other dress was so more interesting a story. It was the story of community coming together to create beauty together in this moment so she could shine and have glory. And so as you're all talking, I, I, I think of James and having his community come in and Rosie gave him some beads and you know, another friend gave him the sash and all that. And I thought as we move in to our week and the next week before we connect, if we wanna think about those ways, right? That we could, we could be that beloved community that helps create the other dress, right? Like David said, work with your neighbors, bring what you can, you can do it in big or small ways, but how that weaving together of the beautiful things can make a difference in every life. And then maybe we don't need the giant kind of deus machina uh, fairy to come down, we can be there for one another. So I'm grateful for those of you who were able to be here on this day, that is so emotional for so many of us. And I'm thankful uh, for your continued presence. And I wanna say a special thank you to James for sharing your story. Today.
0: Thanks very much, everybody. Feel free to unmute yourself and say goodbye.
1: Take care, everyone. Uh, Be well.
0: Thank you, everybody. Bye, everyone. Say hello, be well. Thank you for joining us today at Peace On. We hope that it inspires you to engage in dialogue in your larger community. Peace On is brought to you by the Peace Alliance, found at peacealliance.org.